Yes, Honest Actors is back with brand new episodes every Friday. To help me continue releasing new episodes without a sponsor, or to say thanks for your favourite old ones, click the support link in the episode description. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. It's a one-off, feeling generous, good deed for the day sort of thing. Think of it as bumping into me and buying me a drink. To find out more, click the support link. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Uh, yeah, mine's a large red. I hate those guys. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, my name is Jonathan Harden, and you're listening to episode 8 of series 2 of the Honest Actors podcast, sponsored by TodayTix. If you want great offers on theatre tickets, access to day seats on your mobile, and exclusive front row lotteries, you need TodayTix, the ticketing app that lets you see theatre differently. To get tickets with no queues and no fuss, download TodayTix now on the App Store and Google Play. So here it is, episode 8, with Michaela Cole. Enjoy. How did I come to be an actor? How did I come to be an actor? The like very, very beginning. Right back to yeah. the very start. Okay. So when I was maybe 17 or 18, uh, I was in college and uh, I didn't really know what to do with my life. And uh, at the time I had just watched um, this DVD that they screened in the college, which is called The Truth Behind Hip Hop. And it's about how basically all of these rappers are agents of Satan. Really scary video uh, that I fully believed. And so it opened me up to the spiritual world. Okay. And I met a girl uh, who just kind of took me under her wing. She was in the year above me in college. And um, I'd already dropped out by then. I wasn't like doing classes or anything. And so she took me to dance classes, which I quite enjoyed. And then, so I, I need to join this up for myself mm-hmm. as much as anything else. So this, it sounds like this is a story of getting into acting that it's the first one I've heard that begins with God and Satan, basically. Yeah. So how does that become going to dance classes? Oh, well, she was, she was a dancer. Right, and she's also... Christian. What my brother would call a godder. She's she was a, a godder. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, she was a super godder. Okay, super godder. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I didn't really know at the time. I just was interested and I didn't have anything else to do. Yeah. So I went to this dance class, then realised it was a Christian dance class for like Christian people. But because I liked the dance class, I just pretended that I was a Christian. And so I learned the kind of like evangelical lingo, you know, I learned when to like raise my hand and say hallelujah, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then we went to like an Easter service where there was a dance show and I was doing like my pretend praying and a, a girl came up to me and she said, um, what's your name? And I remember thinking... I know that you shouldn't be asking people's names at this time. This is like the God bit. But she asked my name and I said, Michaela. And she said, oh, I've got a message uh, to you from God. And I said, okay. And she said, God's saying that you're doing all the outside things, but deep down you haven't gotten to know God for yourself. And um, I didn't know her. She's a stranger. And so I was like, okay. (laughs) And um, I went home 
And I remember I spoke to my friend's cousin who was a Christian. And I was like, she said this, and I think I should go back to this church. And she was like, well, pray. And I was like, so like, what do I do? I just like, like pray and then just like wait, wait for like an answer. Like, how do I know the answer? And she was like, oh, you feel it in your heart. So I prayed, should I go back to this church? And I guess I was like, okay, maybe that my something inside of me saying, go to this church. So I went to the church and then on like the third week going, the uh, pastor does something called an altar call. This was the church that the girl with the message from God went to. Okay. So he does an altar call, which basically means if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, raise your hand. And I raised my hand. I was the only person to raise my hand that day. I ran to the front of the altar, got on my knees, cried my eyes out. It was very dramatic, very, very dramatic. And from that day, I was a born-again Christian. And they give you a Bible. And in the Bible, there's Psalms and there's poetry, right? So I started reading. Then I started writing poetry. And one of the things that, like, this like really intense God thing gives you is an irrational amount of confidence because you believe that. So I I saw him a pub. uh, An an irrational amount of confidence. An irrational amount of confidence. Great turn of phrase. Is it? Irrational amount of confidence. Yes. Does that make sense? It totally makes sense. (laughs) I totally get it. Yeah. Yeah. There's no, there's nothing, there's no reason why I should be this confident. Yeah. So uh, I, I went to this pub in Ealing called West Beginnings and they were doing like a, a poetry night. So what age are you at this point? I think I'm still 17, 17 or 18. Okay. And this is all in like a matter of weeks. Right. And I went with my poem. I'd written a poem by this point. Right. Uh, called Next Top Model. And it was about how I'm beautiful because of... Uh, who God made me inside, not because of what I look like. And at this point, because you've got an irrational uh, self-confidence, you think this is possibly one of the greatest poems ever of course, written. Of course. Right. And not only that, I'm going to read it in the pub. And change people's lives. Yes. They don't know who I am. They don't know anything. And okay. it's not an open mic. But I'm going to do that. So I went by myself to this pub. I don't think I'd ever been to a pub before. Right. Sat there and I said to the. So in your defence, you didn't know how people normally behaved in pubs. This could have been. Yeah. This could have well, been. It was like a, I think it was like a kind of Christian pub. Oh well, the name kind of suggests. West Beginning. Right. Okay. Right. So I found the managers and I said I want to read a poem, wow. <laughs> and they were like, "Yo, no." <laughs> so I was like, "Okay," <laughs> and then left. And then they said, "Wait, let me hear the first few lines." And I did the first few lines, and then he went gone. Then, <laughs> and I took the mic. And I read this poem, and uh, people liked the poem. And a girl was like, that was really good. What's your number? I do events at my church over here. And so began a, a very busy career as a spoken word artist. So I was going around doing all this poetry. I went to New York, I went to Orlando, I went to Amsterdam. Always with a, an evangelical kind of Yes, bent. but it was always kind of like, I, I ended up mainly doing, uh, as we call it in church, secular gigs. So I was doing like dance shows. They wanted a poet in between the dance show because it was kind of funny. It was always a funny slant or about self-confidence and knowing your worth because th- those things kind of tie up with the Bible. So it was like a, an indirect way of kind of preaching the gospel. So you were like an undercover agent That's of exactly Christ. What, exactly. But not too undercover. People just kind of knew, but yeah. I don't know why they just yeah. they didn't mind. <laughs> and, um, so, I mean, I could be wrong here, but the whole 
the way that this story is being told, I detect the sense that there's a distance from that. Yeah. Has come since. Absolutely. So, so, so this is the thing that brings you to being a performance poet. Yeah. But when I was doing poetry, there was a director, director in the audience and he said, you should be an actor. And I didn't do anything with my life at the time. I'd already by now I dropped out of university twice. And so he taught me Saturday classes at Identity Drama School. And then he said, you should go to drama school. And I wasn't doing anything else, like solid. So I auditioned for three schools. That's, is that the end of the story? Well, it kind of is, except that there's something interesting in this, which is you tell it as though I wasn't doing anything else. And so I went to this church and then I wrote a poem and then I wasn't doing anything else. So this guy, this guy said I should be an actor. And I thought, but surely within that and aside from the whole irrational self-confidence, yes. there must have been a sense for you that you were doing the right thing that, or, or, or doing the thing that was best suited to you and your skills. Well, I didn't know until basically I was not a performer until I got the Bible and read the poem and did the poem. So I did not think my life would go anywhere in this direction at all. I didn't know that I'd be on a stage. Um, and I, I would say I didn't go to church because I wasn't doing anything. It's only in hindsight that I'm like, I had no idea what I was doing. People were either getting pregnant, going to prison, going to do medical science at uni or dying. And it wasn't a conscious, I don't know what else to do. But I think I was searching for direction and church came in front of me and uh, I took it. And then honestly, yeah, I mean, the poetry, I fucking loved it. I wrote all the time. I was planning and producing my own events. I, was, I made an album. I made two albums. Uh, so can I ask then, how does someone who's, as you say, had a busy career, mm. um, for whatever a period of time in that poetry world and somebody says you should be an actor what what what's your first memory of being on stage then and how does that feel is it different is it better as an actor yeah is it the kind of thing that makes you mm. think oh the poetry was kind of halfway there this is it or did mm. you still feel like i'm i'm a i'm a poet who acts i mean what, what point does yeah. does it become uh, do you know what i'm an actor and then obviously i'm an actor who writes mm. i think I remember the first time I was on stage doing a script. It was uh, Alan Aitborn, Absent Friends, a monologue. And I think the journey, the emotional journey of a monologue was much more surprising than a poem, than the poems I was writing. So I think I hadn't really reached a great... I wasn't a genius poet. I wasn't able to do what Alan Aitborn could do in, in a monologue. So I wasn't, be able, I wasn't able to feel all the things that Alan Aitborn made me feel in the space of a five minute monologue. And that was more fun. I was like, start off funny. Then like, I'm gonna have everyone crying at this bit. <laughs> when he says that bit. Um, and poetry, I couldn't, you can't really do, I, I couldn't do that with poetry. Um, so then, so then that's a transition made, but looking back now from the point of view of someone who's been doing that for a long time, mm -hmm. do you think that was always something you would have found? Like as a young kid, were you the kind of kid that 
wanted attention, would stand up in front of family yeah. and friends. Oh, no, no. But I, I would talk to myself in the mirror a lot. My sister tells me uh, I used to talk in a Scottish accent, which I probably I can't do. And I used to say in the mirror, leave me and my family alone. I was like making some kind of like EastEnders drama in the toilet. And I did do loads of that. I was a big, you know, I was like, like I was definitely that way. Um, leave me and my family alone. Yeah. Leave me and my family alone. What's that? What really, really that? Stop. Stop it's a brilliant the name for an autobiography though. <laughs> leave me and my family alone by Michaela Cole. Maybe I should do that. Yeah, well, you know, it's not like you're busy. No, there um, you go. I've got time. So, did you always have the support of your family then? I mean, in, in that kind of way, when you say, um, I'm going to be an actor, and like you've said, that the range of what other people is doing is vast, uh, but it doesn't include, you didn't mention anyone else you knew who was an actor. So, did your family um, think that was a bizarre thing to choose to do? Absolutely. Or how did they get, how did they get a handle on that? I mean, it was, it was uh, I think, really scary for my mum, uh, because she's, she's an immigrant from Ghana, and I've done good in my GCSEs, I've done good in my college, even though I dropped out. I did. I got two A's and a bit. Now I'm lying. I got an A and two B's. And um, my mum thought I'd go down a much more stable route. Then when I dropped out of uni, and then I said I wanted to be an actor, uh, I couldn't stay at home anymore. So I was uh, I was sleeping in my car. I had a Fiat Punto at the time. And, uh, Which is possibly one of the worst cars you could have if you want to sleep in a car. Yeah. It's and not, and great. not in a fatal position. It's not great. It's not yeah. great. Uh, and also my friends were worried as well. And my friends being like, what the... F- is it like a kind of a... Is it like a... Is that a gulp before you enter the room to tell someone something moment when you tell your mum you're going to be an actor? Or did you <sighs> not realise quite how significant the decision that was? Well, it wasn't... It was never, a, I'm going to be an actor. It was, I want to go to drama school. Right. Because I... I, I, yeah, I, so it, it, it was, I'm going to do this. It was more practical. It wasn't more so, short-term kind of, this is yeah, what I'm doing right now. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's something quite embarrassing about saying that you want to be an actor. You want to go drama school. Why is that embarrassing? Though? Yeah, I, I, I get it, but I, I know what you mean, but I'm wondering... Because it's, it's a bit like, like, oh, you want to be an actor like everybody else. <laughs> You, you know, it's almost as if you look insane. You should go on that X Factor. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But, but you should you go on that Britain's Got Talent, yeah. Michaela. Uh, is it that kind of thing? Is it, it's, that. it's that world? It's just... Yeah, it, but I think if I could sing really well, you'd get why you're going to go on X Factor. But acting, it's, you can't really quantify... I can't show you how I can act. Let me stand here and do a... Fuck, sorry, can I swear? Of course you can. We stand here to do a monologue. Apologies. Thank you. Um, I think you meant to say fucking monologue, by the way. Fucking monologue, and then I just changed my mind. You just totally chickened out. Yeah, What is it that's so embarrassing about that? Surely it's something to do with the context. Like, I imagine, had your mother been uh, a Ghanaian actress, uh, that would have been an easy thing to say. Or had you had a family friend or a relative who was in the performing arts, then actually they'd had a reference point. Yeah, that's but I true. suppose the only reference point is it is EastEnders or yeah, that's Britain's right. Got Talent. That's or, right. That's right. That's exactly right. So you had literally in in your circle of family friends extended as far as you like. There was nobody really doing no. professional performing arts. Zero, none. 
Yeah. So, um, so you can see why that's a massive thing to kind of... Yeah, um, yeah. So what was your first paid job then? We're going to skip over drama school. So you come out after three years. What's your first paid job? My first paid job. Oh, well, it was Chewing Gum Dreams. It was my play because I got 50% of the door fee. And what was that 50% worth in cash monies? I mean, it wasn't much. I don't remember. I, it, I don't, it wasn't over a thousand pounds. Right. It was less than that. <laughs> I was expecting like 60 quid, so I mean, a thousand pounds. Oh, right, yeah, no, no. Because I've done a play, I once did a play for a month and got 70 quid, so you know. For the whole month? You said you could for the whole month, yeah. And it took a month off work, so you know. Um, that was a profit share. Uh, so yeah, there was seven of us. Yeah. No. Right, so anyway, uh, so you, you do your own play. So, yeah. um, how long ago was that? 2012. 2012. So yeah. actually, yeah. So I left you. I left guilt too early. I didn't stay for the whole thing. You didn't stay for the whole thing. How long did you stay? I stayed till, you know, when you finally do like six shows. I think I stayed till the fourth or fifth show. I didn't do the last two or one. Because I wanted to do my play. And you made that decision. Were you advised against that? Um, did the people at Guildhall say? I don't think anybody gave a fuck why I did Guildhall. No, it was just like. I don't think anyone cared. There was no resistance. <laughs> there was no, you're doing the wrong thing. No. Absolutely not. I mean, to be honest, I don't were, think were you I consulted people much. Oh, were you, but you weren't encouraged either. It wasn't. It was, no. it, was, it was just that, that's what I'm doing. I've made this decision. Goodbye, everyone. Yeah. So, in terms of the people I've interviewed for the podcast, you're probably one of the interviewees that's the least time out of drama school. Spent the what? It's the least, is the most recently kind of out of drama school. Ah, I'll, right. I'll not say graduated, because, you know, but you know you're only out like four years, right? Mm. And it's for it's pretty pretty packed four years. I take it uh, in those four years you've had your fair share of auditions for things. Yeah, yeah. Do you enjoy that process? No, I remember my first audition, and uh, I didn't want to go, and I actually uh, pretended I was locked in my house. And it was <laughs> So how does that go? You call your agent and say, ah, you're not, you're not Fuck, gonna, you're I've not, looked at my house. You're not gonna believe this. <laughs> yeah, and she said, oh, okay. Oh, don't worry, they said they can do it tomorrow. I was like, oh shit. Ah. And maybe locked in. I didn't want to do TV. You didn't want to do TV? No. TV's mechanical there. Interesting, isn't it? <laughs> didn't want to do TV. Yeah. Brilliant, what did you want to do then? Theatre. And have you done a lot of theatre? Yeah. And do you prefer? No. So what do you think, like what changed between being a, a fresh out of drama school, um, I want to do theatre, to being, oh, do you know what, actually, it's I think that actually, the only reason why I didn't want to do TV is because of my own insecurity, because I didn't really see many people like me on TV. Okay. So I had a million reasons as to why I would never work on TV. I'm not going to get work on TV. And the best way to deal with that is to say, I don't want to do TV anyway. Yeah, just defend yourself from it. Yes, exactly. Um, so then, uh, when you've done an audition, when you've actually managed to uh, escape from your house um, via the unlocked door, yes. Uh, do you? Uh, I mean, do you know when it's gone well? Do you always think it's gone badly? How does your? How does your? Thanks for coming in, Michaela. How does your internal process from that moment go normally? Thanks for coming in, Michaela. It, it's, it changes, though, doesn't it? When you start off, you're like really nice. Really smiley, you know, be like nice. Um, but then when I'm like that, when I don't 
get the work, I cry. <laughs> and I don't want to cry when I don't get work anymore. So now I, I see it as either I'm right for this thing or I'm not. Either it's going to fit me like a glove or it's not. See, there's an interesting thing here, which is uh, at the minute, there's a bit of, I mean, in this current week, in the, in the past few weeks, there's been a movement from some actors online to say, you know what, we should find out whenever we don't get a part. We should definitely be told. And I've kind of been thinking, do you know what? I, I kind of like my failures to gently melt away. Um, so do you, I mean, when you go out of there and you said you cry, is that because you've heard you don't get it or because nothing happens and then you just realise? Oh, no, it's never like a, I always, um, I'm a big, you know, I'm that really annoying follow-up person. Hi, it's Michaela, Sophie there, please. I just anything, wanted to know what happened with the... Um, anything back from that? Any, <laughs> did it not work out? What's going on? No, I mean, I cried, I think in like April, I didn't get a job and I cried. Do you not cry when you don't get a job? No. Shit, I mean, I've, I mean I've, when I, I really want the fucking job. I used, I used to be the person that kind of like each day passing, I would do the whole, well, it's Friday, I'll probably not hear till Monday. Monday would come and go, it's just after the weekend. They probably haven't looked at the tapes. Yeah. Then Thursday coming that week, I think they probably have sent it to the American producers would probably be like, over the weekend, the fall. And then eventually, like three weeks later, you think, that's gone. Yeah. And it would be gradual. Whereas now, I have to say, I can attend the auditions and don't think about them anymore. Like, I just wash my hands of it and but go. But you've got to do the work. When you do the work, you're on. Therefore, investing into an audition. Oh, 100%. That's why I hate. I hate the fact that I have to invest in it and then you, you don't get anything back. I don't like the maths. Oh, no, it's, it, 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 there's, a, there's an imbalanced equation. Like, there's totally, yeah. like, it's just, I, you mean I give all this, I pay for my transport in. And they're getting paid to sit there. Yeah, and I, I wait outside <laughs> half an hour past the time you said. Yeah. And all that stuff. And then you go in, do your best, leave, and you never hear anything. Next thing, you see it on Netflix and you think, oh, I, I remember I auditioned for that, which I had last night. I was looking through. Damn, damn. <laughs> on Amazon Prime. And then I went, oh, fuck, I auditioned for that. And Bruno said, well, we watch it. And I was like, no way. Yeah, it's just, oh. I can't bring myself to know. But, you know, that, kind of, that's, that is effectively when you find out. Like, I mean. Um, yeah. So, so, so coming out of the room then, you still will get so invested in something that if you don't get it, there will be tears. Yeah, it when I only when I really think this does fit me like a glove, and then it's when if I didn't do my best, I'm not gonna cry. I yeah. fucked up. Of course. But when you don't get a job, because like I once got told that I after like three rounds of audition, I was told that I didn't get the part because I wasn't mousy enough. And the character is not mount is not described as mousy ever. And that that actually I mean, I had to recover from that because I was just like So what happened then? Like, I cried. I cried on the street, John. So you get a phone call from your agent, you see the number come up, you think, Oh Yeah. So here Friday we go. night as well, I was like Friday night. Uh-huh. About to have a nice weekend. Ooh. But something did feel funny. I remember thinking I should have got this phone call earlier. If I got it, I feel like I would have got the phone call earlier. That's how obsessed I really wanted this job. And uh, she said, I'm sorry to bring you bad news. And I was like, just about to put my key in my door, you know, Friday night, everyone's out buzzing, drinking beers and stuff. And she said, oh, yeah, uh, hasn't got your way overall. Really surprised, you know, 
the casting director was really surprised. Uh, but you know, the director just just looked like you weren't mousy enough. <laughs> and uh, no, I actually wept on the street. <laughs> I like a bit of drama. I cried. I was so sad. I was so sad. I was so fucking sad. And uh, and then I was just angry because I was like, it took you three three fucking rounds, three rounds. Tell me, I'm mouth. I'm not mousy enough. You could have, could have given me direction. There's another way. I think could have given me. You could have given me directions. You could have said, "Be softer." Could have said something like that. Nothing. Three rounds. Three rounds. Three, like not. Not. I'm talking hard. Like, I mean, like the the hardest auditions I've ever done. And I can't. I. I, I mean, I'll reveal the details to you when mm. we're not recording. Yep. It was. Most people would go, that's an insane, insanely hard audition. It's hard. Does it get easier with time, do you think? No. It doesn't get easier. This was only, this was like, what, four months ago? It doesn't get easier. I think if you really want something, unfortunately, if you don't get it, it's going to be really fucking hard. I, 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 and, you know, my chicken, chicken in that is like, I just don't want to audition. I'm always like, oh, I, I'm scared to do that because I'm going to be investing a lot. And it, yeah, it hurts. It can hurt, really hurt. It can really fucking hurt. And it hasn't lessened. It just, Absolutely not. It, the only variable is how much you invest, how much you care. Yeah. So, you know, so if you don't care. Well, if I don't care, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to go off and do an audition that I don't care about. Buy tickets to the best theatre in London the new way. With the Today Ticks app, getting great offers and access to exclusive tickets has never been easier. With Today Ticks Rush, you won't have to queue at the box office for hours to get day seats, and you can access big savings with their lotteries for shows like Kinky Boots and The Bodyguard. Download Today Ticks, the theatre ticket app, from the App Store and Google Play, and see theatre differently. An agent once told me that the only time an actor's truly happy is when they get the call to say they have got the job. And in his version of events, five minutes later, self-doubt sets in yeah, or something else sets in. Do you recognize yourself in that? And if not, five minutes on, what kind of things do you start to think about? I think it depends on the job. Um, but it's true. Well, no, it's also not, I don't think it's the only time an actor's happy, no. Because I think you have those days when you're on set, once you've got the job, and you know, you know you did good today. <laughs> the director's beaming, you know. Oh, I'm a genius. <laughs> I just did genius work today. Uh, those days, bloody hell. Really happy those days. But then there must be days whenever you're at by the same token on set or in a rehearsal room and you go home and you think, what the fuck did I do today? I can think of, a, but to me that was uh, in in the beginning, yeah. Because I was, I would, you know, hey, look, I'm no uh, Meryl Streep, but I was pretty shit in the beginning. I can look back at my first few plays and go, "You ain't talented, you stupid bitch. You're shit." That's harsh. But at the time, I didn't realise. In all the kind of uh, the yeses and nos um, since since you started. Uh, how important do you think luck has been? Or the lack of? Luck. Luck. 
Mm. What well, one of the things I learned in school, which I think is true, the training was good. I know you don't talk about drama school. No, no, I don't not want to talk about drama okay. school. I just I never ask questions about it. Okay. But if it comes up, it's fine. We got taught by this guy called Ken that you make your own luck. I'm sure you've heard that before. Yeah. And uh, I think... Not from Ken. Not from Ken. No. I thought Ken made that shit up. No, he fucking borrowed that. He it's borrowed on the that internet. shit. Oh, yeah. shit. Yeah. I paid like nine grand in school fees. I could have just gone on Google. Fuck. Um, but you make your own luck. So, and I think it's a combination of staying active and being open to opportunities, doing things saying yes, even if the thing's free, even if you're probably going to lose money doing that, just do it, do it, do it. And the more places you show up, the more likely you, you're to be, you are to be in the right place. You can't, you're less likely to be in the right place if you ain't going out. So I go out all the time <laughs> on the piss. No, I go out, I do a show, I'll go and perform, I'll go and make a stage, do it there, invite people, keep, I, I did that all the time. Like, like, uh, it, you know, it was, I was so driven, I still am, but it's like tunnel vision. Yeah. Proper, like, like I cannot explain. I worked so hard, I didn't even know what I was doing. This is like before drama school, when I was producing shows, poetry, da, da, da. And, you know, that it all adds up. I kept, kept, I was, putting work before myself I still do it now and so really ultimately do I win I don't know do you, do you get do you get tired do you get to the point where you think why am I the guy why am I the guy why am I the person always starting things off making things happen well do you ever think like oh, oh. I just I just want somebody else to hire me and get picked up and turn up and go home and not think about it yes and, I mean I mean a lot of actors have this really lovely kind of you know, where the, the, they don't have to write their scripts. <laughs> they, they, you know, they, somebody else writes a script and they come, they audition, they smash their audition. They, they just know how to smash auditions. They get the job, they smash the job. There's something about them. They've got the right face. I'm not that person. That's not my life. And I don't mind. Do you feel like being that person um, has in any way hindered you as an actor? Do you feel that being Michaela Cole, actor, writer, and so and a successful one at that, do you think that has ever prevented you from getting the jobs where you're supposed to go in and just audition and just be Michaela Cole, an actor? Yeah, I'm pretty sure for like British comedy, I'm not not, not going to get looking for any of that, and which I understand, and do completely get that. But American comedy. And obviously drama, the, the, the dramas are still very welcoming, which is great. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's messed up the comedy, but I don't, I don't mind. Do you believe in big breaks? Do I believe in big breaks? I, I mean, I believe that they exist for some people. There are people out there who will listen to this and they will, they will alabaster that question and they'll go, Michaela Cole, there's somebody who's had a big break. Exactly. Do you feel internally like you've had a big break? No. Also, though, I mean, if you're asking me as a writer, have I had a big break? Yeah. As an actor, absolutely not. So... Don't you get the act with me, bro. 
And I did. I got opposite, to, I, opposite sides of the room, <laughs> playing on a spaceship. So yeah, that's not talking about that. Talking about like keeping. You said like you give so much up for what you do, so that quite often at the expense of yourself. Um, what do you do to stay sane then? Therapy. Honestly. Honestly. So how long has that been part of your life? A long Since time. Since January. Um, I mean, I don't want to get into the detail of that because it's yeah. very personal. Yeah. Um, but has that changed things? Yeah. I think I've learned to be economic with my life. I don't waste energy on people that uh, don't, wouldn't really care too much if you, if you died. I, that don't love you for you. Uh, you're all right. I quite like you. Thanks. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the thing is, I work in a very unhealthy way. I haven't solved that yet. I, I have not solved it. I've, yeah. Um, so I've got a series of questions on this. Yeah. Um, the first being, and I'm going to play devil's advocate here, and it's a question that's about therapy in general, mm. where I have been the actor in the room that hasn't had therapy mm. and been cynical in the past. Right? Mm. What do you think has from an acting point of view from the point of view of someone who works in this industry that mm. is totally unhealthy that working hours are totally all over the place either mm. you're flat out or you're at home sitting on your own thinking what am I doing with my world mm. and my life what, what would you say is the advantage of that kind of way of being therapy yeah well I, my friend once described it as like when you have a car and you have to get an MOT y your car might drive fine but you're not like an expert in like cars. So you, you have to just get it checked to make sure it's all right. And it might be all right and you're wasting your money, but you still got to do it. And I think that's how therapy is for me. It's not uh, someone blubbering in a chair about all the woes of their life. It's good to really talk things out. And actually, I don't want to, I don't want to waste my friend's time by talking it out on them because they've got shit to do. I would rather pay someone to, to sit there and pretend to be my friend. Do you think what we do has an impact on us? Like, do you think either the way that with the way that work happens, that whole you know, investing, oh, getting shit. nothing, crying, yeah. or the fact that you're either flat out working and have money, or you're skint and sitting on the end of your bed wondering what you're doing with your life? Can you see the impact of that? I mean, on your own life or on others that you know. No, I wouldn't say this is an active thing. I, I know people that are out of work who it's not active work and they're depressed because they don't have a routine and structure. That's not because you're an actor. It's because you don't have routine and structure. I don't think we're special. I think uh, you need to have a routine. You have to... If, because the thing is with fucking acting is that there's not a lot of control with this stuff and that's what I think what I struggle with. You can't control, really, whether you get a job. You can't. There's nothing you can do. You need to find something you can control. Start, start selling. Start selling uh, trees with, with the guy that plays my boyfriend in my show does. Christmas time, he sells trees. He has a great time. He fucking loves it. That's your routine. You have to have something else, you know. Um, you can't obsess about this thing because there's not enough control in it. If you're a painter and you're obsessed with making your painting, you're completely in control of that. If you're obsessed with, I want my painting to be at the National Portrait Gallery, you're gonna have a problem. 
and I think that you know also yeah you got to change what, what you value have has it gotten easier with time has the actual doing of it gotten easier with time I think that it has I think I'm a lot less nervous than I used to be do you watch yourself yeah well I watch myself with chewing gum I wonder what I watch yeah no I do watch myself do you read reviews I do read reviews yeah and uh good and bad you know I, w- I would love to lie and say oh no 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 I don't read reviews no I fucking read those reviews and the bad ones break me they break me they break me why don't you love me kind of yeah I'm only doing this for your approval why are you not approving me which is bizarre obviously because you don't come across as the kind of person who gives a shit oh yeah but I do but you do yeah we all do we all do that's, this is also when you especially you, your, your work is dependent on the of public approval that's kind of what's going to bring you another job I can't pretend that I don't I can't say I don't care what people think otherwise why are you doing it why are you doing it do it in your house then mate yeah, exactly yeah um, so in, in those moments where a bad review for example has broken you or you know you've just you've got so exhausted from constantly being on the front foot and constantly mm. trying to make things happen uh, have you ever thought about giving up have you ever just thought oh, do you know what it would be much easier if I did something else do you know what I had a really random thought only in um, August to just move to South Korea <laughs> uh because I met a girl who is moving to South Korea and uh, I just thought I could always just move to South Korea not and not do TV just do something else do something else something practical and like you know exciting but something different but it's not real that thought is not real it's no. uh, it's I don't know what, what, why that happened to me what would you do if you weren't an actor what would you do well that's hard because I want to say I'd be a writer <laughs> If I wasn't, if I wasn't in the, if you weren't in this industry, I suppose is a better question. Oh. Long pause. Yeah, what would I do? Looks into the middle distance. Let me think of what I would do. Furrow's brow. And that's not no poetry as well, is it? No, it's part. I'm of not going to let you do any of that. Yeah. Can I produce? Do you know what? Only because you look like you were genuine, genuinely lost there. I'm gonna let. I'm gonna let you produce. <laughs> Fuck am I? I'm. I'm gonna let you Please, produce. No you. poetry. Okay. No poetry. I produce. The world suffered enough. Um, do you consider yourself successful? Yeah. But I always did. Way before drama school. Back when uh, you had a poetry. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I'm, I'm in, uh, I mean, maybe I'm not. But in my head, I definitely am, yeah. I've always been successful. Even when I was sleeping in my car. I'm definitely successful. <laughs> so that's interesting. Even when you were sleeping in your car, you felt you felt you were successful because... I was doing what I wanted to do. And I didn't care uh, about the resistance. So that is the definition of success for you, is yeah. doing what you want to do. Yeah. Regardless. Well, yeah, but I mean, if what you want to do is like kill people... No, but I mean, like, it's just, I'm thinking in terms of people who listen to this podcast. Yeah. There would be vast majority of people, I would say, who'd say, I'm not successful. But no. if you can judge success, if sleeping in the back of a Punto, was it a Punto? Yeah. Can, what colour was it? Black. A black, sexy. Thank you. A black Punto is 
success, then everyone else out there should be going, do you know what, I'm doing it. Absolutely. And you know, I hate to bring the, well, I don't hate to bring the Bible into it because the line of the Bible, I'm just not Christian. But a quote from the Bible is, never despise the day of small beginnings. And I always remember that. That's the start. If it's not for those times, nothing else is going to even exist. So you are successful. You are successful right now. What makes you angry? What makes me angry, what makes me really fucking angry is uh, sexual abuse, injustice. Uh, that's it. The rest I just think is pathetic. No, I don't have anger. Um, do you, is there anything in the industry? That, that makes me angry. That, well, you said anger, the rest of it's kind of, you know, not that important, but that you wish you could change. And if you, if I was to make you Queen Michaela for as long as it took for you to right the industry, right the wrongs of the industry, what oh, would, wow. what would your list of correctives be? Is it like a magical corrective? Like, yeah, you can just kind of, you can just, you know, snap your fingers and make yeah. it, you know, that. I would, I would, I would make it so that it was impossible to exchange uh basically it all basically ties into sex again i hate the fact that people take sex in return for opportunity i i really do you know what i mean that's the, directors that that's still a big cast. thing yeah yeah because it basically stops it being fair game i'd make it a fair game that you get it at the job because you're good and not only good in front of the camera people who can be really good in front of the camera and also really good when the camera's not on and create a nice environment that's what i would do and that's across everything that's gender race that's absolutely everything. everything yeah have you ever felt like you've been disadvantaged because you are a black woman in this industry uh yeah i mean uh I can definitely say if I look at the amount that my counterparts audition from a year, I can definitely see you audition loads. I don't audition that much. I mean, even now, I don't. So that means I'm probably at a disadvantage. Um, what about the types of characters as well? Like, is that still something that, that you get briefed through and think, what the fuck is this? Yeah, but you know, I don't think that's just because I'm black. It's also because I look kind of strong, so I don't go up for, I go up for strong parts. I often go up for parts that uh, was originally going to be a man, and then they think a bit differently, and they'll call me in. Uh, you know, often the description says sassy, feisty, angry. <laughs> Because you're not mousy enough. I'm not mousy enough. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I hate to bring that up again. I know, it's amazing. Ah! <laughs> yeah, but, you know, whatever. I write, I write shows, I'll just write my character if I want to play something. Fuck it. <laughs> if you could go back to, let's say, the girl who turns up at, uh, what was the pub called again? West Beginnings. West Beginnings. If you could turn up at West Beginnings and uh, you saw 
younger Michaela come through the door, look around thinking, what the fuck is this place? Although she didn't curse probably. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, make her way to the bar. If you could just whisper in her ear a couple of little things that would make the intervening years smoother or easier or less painful. I have nothing to say to her. <laughs> Don't say it like you've fallen out. I have nothing. <laughs> fucking bitch. I have nothing to say to that No, bitch. she doesn't need any advice from me. I would ask her for advice. Well, that was going to be my next question. This is a new, since I interviewed uh, Noma de Mezzoni the other day, and it occurred to me, uh, if you could go back to your younger self and go, listen, is there anything you want to remind me? Or what, what, what do you think she might be able to say to you? Well, see, look, and this is the Honest Access podcast, so I've got to be honest. Yep. That's I a can terrible say question. me in January or all of last year, I need advice. Now I don't need advice from her. Last year, I would have said, take responsibility for your own life and your own career. And uh, that's pretty much it, except um, the uh, bonus question, which is, are you in anything at the minute? No. Yes. No. No. No, I'm chilling. <laughs> Cheers. Michaela, again, thank you so much for your time. Um, it's been a pleasure. Cheers. Yeah, man. Like it. And that's it from me for this year. Yeah, you heard me. I'm taking Christmas off. So this is the last Honest Actors episode of 2016. Good riddance, 2016. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.